Welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Did you know that chances are you're only getting 25% of the really healthy and important omega-3 fatty acids in your diet and that there are specific ways that you need to eat in order to hit the targets, the minimum recommended daily targets that are shown to maintain health in healthy people. And we're going to be talking about whether or not we need to even increase that to hit optimal health. So we don't want just minimal health, we want optimal health. So hi, welcome to the Wild Wisdom Show. I'm Dr. Patricia Mills, a medical doctor with a different spin on women's health. I'm a specialist in physical medicine rehabilitation, practicing functional medicine, and I love taking complicated science and breaking it down into easy to understand information and providing you with actionable strategies you can implement for immediate results. And today we're going to be talking about omega-3 fatty acids acids and how to get enough from your diet for optimal health. And if you're not sure about the benefits of omega-3s, like why is it that I'm talking to you about this today, I would highly recommend listening to my uh, last episode, watching it on YouTube in the playlist, Healthy Fats or Omega-3 Fats Playlist. Or if you're listening to this in the podcast, it would have been the more recent episode. And we go into the various health benefits, including heart health and brain health and hair growth and all sorts of things. And that's because omega-3 fatty acids are a kind of fat that are incorporated into your cell membrane, into the lining of your cell, the skin of your cells, and therefore every single organ in your body. And without enough of them, your body starts using um, what we'll call crap fat, not the good kind of fat. And that uh, makes it so that your cells are not functioning. So you actually can affect every single organ in your body negatively if you're not getting enough omega-3 fatty acids. So what we want to do today is we want to talk about Where can we get them from our diet and exactly how much do we need to eat based on science uh, in order to optimize our health? And if you're joining me live from my private Facebook group for women, which is free called Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, put in your name and where you're calling in from. I'd love to say hi and ask your questions live so I can answer them for you in real time. That's the benefit of joining. So let's go over the two main sources. I like to kind of categorize things and organize things so that it's easier to understand. And the very most like basic way to explain it is that these come from plants and animals. So plants have fats in them and animals have fats in them. And plants have different kind of fats than animals, which we're going to get into. So for the omega-3 fatty acids, plants have what are called the alpha-linoleic acid, ALA. And the animals primarily have DHA and EPA. And if I were to draw it out for you, what you would see is that um, the conversion, like if the body... so. Omega-3 fatty acids are essential fatty acids. Your body cannot make it. So it either has to take in ALA and convert it 
into change it into DHA and EPA, or it can eat DHA, we can eat DHA and EPA already made by animals, already converted by animals. So another animal ate the ALA and converted it into DHA and EPA, or in the case of fish, which we'll get to, they directly consume DHA and EPA from um, things like microalgae. What's important to know is that plants have different needs than animals. So plants have different uh, needs than humans. So when we, when we eat plant omega-3 fatty acids in the form of ALA, as I mentioned, we have to convert it into DHA and EPA. And that conversion is really low. Like if I eat 100 molecules of ALA, less than 15% of that will be converted into DHA and EPA. So that's not a very good conversion rate, which means that you have to eat a lot of plants to get the same amount of EPA and DHA as you do for eating animals. And DHA is the very important uh, omega-3 fatty acid in the brain. It's the primary fatty acid of omega-3 in the brain. And EPA uh, is found in larger amounts, but still with DHA in other areas of the body. So ALA needs to be converted to EPA and DHA in the human body. So how do um, how does the conversion happen in nature? Well, interestingly, the only plant that can make high levels of DHA and EPA, as far as we know, is microalgae in the oceans. And then the phytoplankton eat this specific kind of algae, and then the fish eat the phytoplankton. So fish, which are very well known for being high in EPA and DHA. Many uh, supplements of omega-3 fatty acids, omega-3s are from fish oil, but they can also be from algae oil. And there's a newer kit on the block and it's called krill oil, which is a member of the crustacean family, very tiny, kind of looks like a, sh a shrimp. Um, it's, it's but Chris, uh, krill also means small fry fish, so it's a bit confusing. But essentially, it's found in the ocean, and so you have this conversion. Um, you know, this kind of like access to ALA and DHA and EPA from nature, and from most plants, it's an ALA, except for microalgae, which we we do not consume in nature. They're, they're like very very tiny and small, and found in the ocean phytoplankton eat them and then fish eat the phytoplankton and then we eat the fish. That's the um, in nature chain of command of how we get DHA and EPA primarily. Now, what's interesting is how much of this do we need? And what we are relying on here um, as the minimum amount, and I'm going to really stress this, is that it's this, what I'm talking about right now is the minimum amount in healthy humans, not in people who have disease conditions that, uh, for example, have higher states of inflammation that require more anti-inflammatory omega-3 fatty acids. What I covered in the last episode is the fact that omega-3 fatty acids are anti-inflammatory in the body, which is amazing. It's what you want. You want to put out the fires of inflammation. And if you have a disease condition like diabetes, hypertension, cancer, stroke, heart disease, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, uh, autoimmune conditions, uh, you're going to have higher amounts of inflammation. So these minimum recommended amounts are not what you are targeting, but this is a good place to start in terms of understanding the minimum. And 
There are various dietary reference intakes that are developed by um, you know, the Food and Nutrition Board of the National Academy of, of Medicine and also the National Institutes of Health have an omega-3 fact sheet full of research, which is amazing. And what they try to do is they try to use the research to provide you with a minimum amount in a healthy adult or child. They do different age ranges. In the case of omega-3 fatty acids, it's interesting because what they said is they were able to um, find enough research to be very, very firm on their recommendations. So they provide what's called an adequate intake, which is an estimate assumed to ensure nutritional adequacy. So again, I would take this as a minimum uh, that you want. So as a minimum, the daily intake of EPA and DHA should be between 250 milligrams to 500 milligrams. And I'm going to go deep into what that means in terms of what you're eating. But I, what I want you to know is that you may think you're getting enough omega-3 fatty acids from your diet, but there was this very interesting study done over five years that looked at the intake of what people were having and what they, what they found on analysis, and this is in North America, is that the average person was getting 18 milligrams of EPA per day and 50 milligrams of DHA per day, which adds up to about 68 milligrams versus the 250 to 500 milligrams. So, you know, chances are that unless you're being very intentional about this, and I can tell you that uh, before I got intentional about this, I was not consuming enough. So this is something that's really worth paying attention to. So Again, I like to always provide some motivation for understanding the information. So omega-3, DHA, and EPA are found in the highest amounts in the brain, in the retina, which is what provides vision at the back of the eye. Macular degeneration is a big problem that's coming up in our society. And there could be this link between a low omega-3 fatty acid intake, and you don't want to lose your vision. Goodness gracious, right? And omega-3, DHA, and EPA um, have been found to be lowest in people with dementia and Alzheimer's disease. That's the brain connection. It's also been shown to help prevent heart disease in some studies. And uh, it's been shown to prevent a second heart attack, help reduce the risk of a second heart attack if you've had a first one because of the anti-inflammatory effects. It actually stimulates hair growth. And they've studied that very specifically, which is kind of cool. And it minimizes muscle loss and improves muscle gain, in particular, if you couple it with, with strength training. And we talked about the anti-inflammatory effects. So what we want to do then is add a minimum to hit that minimum daily requirement if you were to eat two servings of four ounces of fatty fish, which we'll talk about per week, that would average out to about 250 milligrams of EPA and DHA a day. So that's, remember, at the very lower end of it, that's it, the range was 250 to 500. So then you're looking at four servings of four ounces of fatty fish as a minimum. And so uh, just, oh, thank you. There's a Facebook user saying such great information, life-changing. I appreciate that. Keep, keep it coming. <laughs> I love the positive comments. Thank you. So we have this, um, you know, minimum threshold of two to four servings of four ounces of fish per week. Um, to get that 250 to 500 milligram average per day. However, 
there was this super interesting meta-analysis, which is a review of multiple studies. That's what a meta-analysis means. And then they combine the statistical data and analyze that. And they showed that for every additional serving of fish per week, there was a significant decrease in the risk of dementia and Alzheimer's disease. And if you think about, um, you know, populations, I don't know if you've heard about the blue zones, the blue zones are areas in the world where they have the highest concentrations of centenarians, people living over the age of 100. And one of these blue zones is the Okinawa, and they eat a lot of fish. And so there are, um, you know, there are societies and cultures where fish is a daily um, is a daily menu item, right? And then the question becomes, well, okay, <laughs> I should, you know, like every day, should I eat fish? Like two to three times a day, should I eat fish? What is, what is, you know, what is too much? How much is too much, right? And don't worry, if you're vegetarian or vegan, I'm going to get into how you need to eat to hit your targets very specifically as well, and very um, evidence-based. So in terms of, um, you know, toxicity of omega-3 fatty acids, there is, um, for eating, there is no known toxicity for omega-3 fatty acids. For supplements, that's another story, and it's coming up in a future episode. But for eating, there isn't. However, um, there is another consideration, which we'll talk about next. But the FDA, as as just like, you know, having to say something recommends no more than three grams of EPA and DHA per day and no more than two grams of that should be from a supplement with the caveat that this is for healthy individuals, right? So if you um, are very healthy and you have no deficiencies in omega-3 fatty acids, you don't, you, you have not been diagnosed with any disease condition and you know, you know, your blood work is looking great, your cholesterol and everything is looking great. By the way, when you eat oils from fish in the form of omega-3s, your um, cholesterol does not go up, your triglycerides do not go up, the fat content in your muscles and in your body does not go up because this is not, omega-3 fatty acids are not the kind of fat that gets stored as fat. I feel like I really need to shout this from the rooftops. It's the kind of fat that your body uses to make your brain and your body uses to make your cells, your hair, your muscle, your heart, your arteries, your liver, your kidneys. So it's a building block fatty acid. It's not a going into your fat stores fatty acid. So this is, again, this recommend when, when, when people like, uh, when organizations like the FDA look at the total amount of fat you should have per day, I want you to understand that omega-3 fatty acids do not count in that category. And they, the FDA even clearly states that. So we're not adding this to Oh, I can only eat X amount of fats per day, and I have eat. I've have I've had three grams of you know EPA, DHA, and fish oil today. I have to subtract that from my fat content. No, it doesn't count in that kind of fat category. So, having said that, they do have a limit, and uh, one of the considerations I think that it's not something they've said, but something I think about is the mercury content in fatty fish. Okay, so. Um, I did look at the consumer lab reports for supplements, and fortunately, there have been no supplements analyzed that have mercury in their fish oil. However, there are there is mercury in our fish, and the fish that live the longest, like tuna, 
Um, they have the highest content in mercury because they've been around longer to ingest it. And these, there's a group of fish, which the acronym is SMASH, S-M-A-S-H, which stands for salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, and herring. These fish are smaller fish, relatively speaking. They, they live less, like less uh, long and they have lower amounts of mercury. I'll go into whether or not mercury is a real concern and you know what can we do to detoxify it if it is in a future episode. But for now, why don't we just play it safe and we're gonna analyze the omega-3 fatty acid content, remembering that three gram per day um, you know, kind of safety limit-ish, right? Um, in smash fish. So if we look at three ounces of fish, and I'm saying three ounces because that's what's been analyzed in the research. So I'm using that as the amount. Um, if you take three ounces of wild salmon, it's 1.57 grams, which is 1,570 milligrams. And remember, the maximum daily dose is around three grams. So you would be okay, for example, having two servings of salmon a day if you wanted to. Not that you should, I think you should switch it up. I think uh, the body likes variety. So other fish, so anchovies are 1.43 grams, mackerel 1.02 grams, sardines 1.19 grams, and herrings a whopping dose of 1.71 grams a day. So I, in my morning breakfast, because I always add protein to my breakfast for um, better muscle growth, better blood sugar control, better satisfaction after my breakfast, I feel fuller longer, my blood sugar levels are more stable for the rest of the day. I tend to add, because I can't eat eggs, I have an egg food sensitivity, although eggs are very healthy. Um, I just can't eat them. They don't like me. I love them. Uh, I eat either a serving of herring or a serving of salmon, and I buy really good quality wild caught, um, you know, salmon and herring, and they're smoked, and that's what I use, right? And I make sure they're they're not packed in any weird ingredients. It's either in olive oil or saltwater brine, and that's uh, so I do a serving of that a day. So I'm hitting at least half of my maximum daily allowance you know, using that three grams per day. And then sometimes I'll even have an additional like fish at dinner time. But there's other ways to get omega-3 fatty acids. Um, and they're not as effective as fish. But for example, it, uh, beef. So if you, there's been an interesting, a couple of interesting studies now comparing the omega-3 fatty acid content in beef that's raised grass-fed and finished versus conventionally raised, which is grass-fed, but then feedlot finished. So they are fed grass and pastured for a bit of their life, but then the conventional group goes into these very tiny restricted small lots and are force-fed grains to increase their fatty content um, to get that kind of marbled look. And anyways, it does actually change the nutritional content of that meat for the worse, it has lower amounts of omega-3 fatty acids compared to um, their cousins that have been, you know, um, allowed to stay out in pasture for the, their full lives. Their grass finished. They have higher amounts. Now, the difference isn't huge. For every three ounces, you might get 40 milligrams from the conventionally raised um, to around 100 milligrams from the grass-fed. But you could see that if you had a three-ounce serving of grass-fed meat plus your fish 
plus what we're going to cover, you know, eggs or, or and then we're going to cover plants, you can start to bump up your omega-3 fatty acid cont- uh, intake quite significantly. One cooked egg from the yolk gets about 30 milligrams of DHA EPA. Now, every food has a different ratio. Some have more DHA and less EPA and vice versa. I'm giving you combined amounts, okay? And if we are starting to, let's say you develop a specific condition related to the brain and you want to and you want to increase your DHA content because that's the primary omega-3 in the brain, like with dementia and Alzheimer's, then you're going to be looking into which of the foods have the highest DHA content or supplementing with DHA. So, for example, if I were to have, um, you know, in a day, six ounces of grass finished beef and two eggs per day, that's around 250 milligrams. So you can see it's, it's hard to hit your targets if you're not eating fish, right? So if, you're, if you don't eat fish, um, you may need to supplement is basically, I think, the, the point, right? Or so you're going to be eating a lot of beef, a lot of eggs. But what about plants? So plant sources are interesting because they actually, um, you know, the dietary reference intakes, there actually are values of minimum, remember minimum intakes for um, ALA, the alpha linoleic acid from plants. And what they found is it's about uh, 1100 milligrams in healthy women per day. And that need goes up when you're pregnant and when you're lactating, same with omega, uh, the EPA, DHA. Now, remember, the EPA DHA um, requirements were 250 to 500. The ALA is higher, again, because of that conversion, right? That, that the ALA needs to turn into EPA and DHA. So I would argue, actually, that the need is much higher than this adequate intake uh, statement. But this, again, it's what's um, the minimum intake. So for a woman, healthy woman, 1.1 grams. For healthy men, 1.6 grams. And if you're pregnant or lactating somewhere in between, not for disease states. Disease states need different different, uh, requirements, more. They need more of that. So... Let's look at uh, keeping in mind the 1.1 gram in women per day up to 1.6 in men. So if you were to have one whole flaxseed, if you take the flaxseeds and you ingest one whole tablespoon of that flaxseeds, you get 2.35 grams. So that's pretty good that, you know, you would meet your minimum requirements, right? Um, But remember, we were talking about EPA and DHA, 250 being the minimum. And then we even talked about adding up to maybe getting to the upper limit of three grams. So if you're wanting to do an equivalent upwards uh, intake of ALA, you would have to eat, you'd have to take in so much flaxseed, right? So the nice thing is that flaxseed oil, one tablespoon is 7.26 grams. So there you're starting to get into higher levels, okay? Flaxseed oil is a very delicate oil. If you do buy it, you want it to be expeller pressed, which means it was mechanically compressed and not chemically extracted oil, which is you don't want the chemicals in the oil like the hexane. And it has to be kept in a very dark bottle um, in the fridge, for example, in, the, in a dark space like an amber bottle in, the, in a cool dark place. I usually, if I'm going to have it, I put it in the fridge and it has to be fresh. Like you have, you have to throw it out after a certain amount of time because it goes rancid. It oxidizes very quickly. Okay. So that's something you really have to pay attention to because otherwise you're going to be eating oxidized flaxseed oil, which is not good. Yuck. 
oxidized um, oils in the body are, are, you know, I'm just going to say it's not good. <laughs> and then if you go down the line, chia seeds, one ounce, I couldn't find a tablespoon equivalent, but one ounce is 5.06 grams. Um, black walnuts, one ounce is 0.76 grams, but English walnuts, one ounce is 2.57 grams. So you can see that in, you know, seeds and nuts, you can get, you know, there's a varying amounts and you can look up and see your favorite nuts and seeds, how much you're getting. Edamame was the highest um, legume or bean, and that was half a cup was 0.28 grams. So you could see that it's really tough to get omega-3s, enough omega-3s from if you're just eating beans, you have to incorporate very intentionally things like flaxseed oil, flax seeds, chia seeds. And what I recommend is because they are seeds, they have a lot of um, anti-nutrients, um, which are the plant chemicals that Mother Nature puts into her seeds to protect them from being overeaten in nature by things like insects. We're not insects, but it, at this dose, we're eating a lot of this. So we have to consider the anti-nutrients like phytic acid and lectins and saponins and those things. And so uh, what I do is I actually will grind my flaxseed fresh. So you should never buy ground up flaxseed uh, and eat that because chances are by the time you buy it or within a few days of opening the bag, it's gone rancid. Flaxseed is a very delicate oil. And if you grind it up, you have to consume it that day. So I buy, um, I have a coffee grinder that I use just for seeds and I grind my flaxseed. And then what you do is you put it in a little bit of water and just let it soak. So you grind it, let's say at the nighttime, put in a little bit of water, let it soak. And the next day you can add it to your porridge or to your, um, you know, meals or drinks or teas or whatever it is kind of to thicken it up. You can, with chia seeds, it's very popular to do the overnight soaking. And that's good because the soaking of the fox seeds or the chia seeds is what deactivates these anti-nutrients and, and brings the content of that down. And again, I would recommend rotating things out. I would, you know, switch between flax seeds and chia seeds and look up different seeds and, and just rotate through them and incorporate that flaxseed oil. Um, it's not ideal to have flaxseed oil every day. Uh, it does have, um, anyways, it has other considerations that limit it, your ability to use it daily if you're thinking about optimal health. But, you know, every other day, for example, would be fine. Um, and so as you can see, it gets challenging to hit your targets as a, as a vegan, especially. And so, uh, what we're going to be talking about in one of the upcoming episodes is how to supplement and supplements come in the forms of fish oil, uh, algae oil and krill oil. So for the, for the vegans and specific, some vegetarians, then you'd be looking at the algae oil as your option to make sure that you're hitting your amounts. Um, Vegans and vegetarians who do not hit their targets for omega-3 start running into issues as they age. Um, in particular, the skin, you can get like rough scaly skin, you can get dermatitis. That's the visible um, signs of deficiency in omega-3 fatty acids. But internally, your brain, you know, you might start to get a little bit of brain fog, a little bit of cognitive impairment. Um, and it's not just for vegans and vegetarians. As I mentioned before, even the average omnivore is not getting enough of it because they're not um, intentionally incorporating enough um, high sources of omega-3 fatty acids like fish, for example. And again, balancing that out with the consideration of contaminants from the environment, which are unfortunate but true in things like fish. So doing the smash low mercury fish 
is one way to go as well. Remember that omega-3 requirements, they depend on genetics, nutritional status, and disease-specific considerations, which I'm going to briefly cover because I'm going to do it in more detail the next um, next sh- uh, sh- one of the next shows. I have a Facebook user saying, uh, yikes, I buy the ground flaxseed. Do you buy the whole flaxseed, then grind it? I use the powder. Thank you for asking this question. So yes, I would uh, recommend no longer buying the ground flaxseed powder, buy the whole flaxseed. And then what you do is once you open the bag, um, you're going to take out whatever you need for that day, you know, one tablespoon or two tablespoons of flaxseed, and you're going to grind it in the little coffee grinder that you buy specifically just for that. So you don't have to keep cleaning out the coffee, for example, or maybe you're not a coffee drinker. You, you basically have this little seed grinder. And you grind the amount that you need for that day or the next day. Then you put your bag of flax seeds that is now open in the freezer. And so these are ways to allow yourself to buy these in bulk, right? Because once oxygen hits the flax seed, um, it starts to oxidize. And when you grind it, it opens up the internal contents and it really oxidizes with with the um, air. And it's oxidation is like if you eat a, if you take a bite out of an apple, the inner you know the the meat of the apple, the white part starts to turn brown very quickly. That's oxidation, and that's what's happening to your flaxseed. So I would uh, make this switch, and it it is an important one to make for your health. So thank you for asking the question. Absolutely, I would agree with that. Um, Okay, so this if you're someone who um, has a disease condition and you're looking at this saying, okay, well, okay, first I got to work on meeting my minimal requirements. Now, you know, should I be taking even more? And there is research in, in these conditions and more such as allergy, eczema, the dermatitis I mentioned is not here, but it's included asthma, rheumatoid arthritis, inflammatory bowel disease, multiple sclerosis, depression. There's actually some very interesting research in depression and omega-3s improving um, depression, like as a treatment for depression. Um, Mild and early stages of dementia and Alzheimer's disease. uh, We're going to talk more detail, but if you already have very severe Alzheimer's disease, omega-3s are like, it's just too late for omega-3s to make a big difference. But if it's mild, like early stages, it can. And secondary prevention of heart attacks and death from heart attacks. Research has been done on this and shown it to be um, helpful. Um, And also there's more research coming out on hypertension and hypertriglyceremia. So if you have high cholesterol, high triglycerides, as I mentioned before, this is a different kind of fat. And actually some research shows that it decreases the bad fat, which is amazing. Maybe because it makes your liver function better because your liver now has better building blocks for being made. Who knows? But it's it's also actually one of the hypotheses for that uh, effect is decreased inflammation through the omega-3 fatty acid pathway. When you have decreased inflammation in the body, you have less, your body makes less cholesterol to deal with the inflammation. So your high, if you have high cholesterol, it's not coming from cholesterol in your food. For example, yes, eggs are high in cholesterol, but when you eat that cholesterol, your body breaks it down into its building blocks and then distributes it for use in the body. Your body will then take those building blocks and make cholesterol if it is being inflamed by something else that you're doing. Not eating the egg, which is healthful, but um, 
you know, eating the ultra processed foods, eating too much sugar, that kind of thing, right? So um, that I will go into that in more detail in the future. But I just wanted you to understand, don't be afraid of eating sources of omega three fatty acids, because you're worried about high cholesterol or high fat, that really should not be a limiting factor at all. Okay, in that sense, right? Obviously, don't overdo it, like, you know, two to four eggs a day is probably okay. One egg, you know, that kind of thing. So just keep everything in moderation and you should be okay. And good quality grass finished is better than conventional um, beef for sure. So in summary, omega-3 fatty acids are an essential building block of the body that we need to get from the diet for health maintenance at least, right? And it can be very difficult for vegetarians and vegans to get enough. They need to be intentional. But even... Um, omnivores and pescatarians may not be getting in the, enough depending on like, you know, if, if you're only eating the two servings a week, um, you might be getting enough, but maybe you're like, you're, you might be hitting that minimum requirement of 250 milligrams. But as I showed before, adding more servings can actually be protective against dementia and Alzheimer's. So you might need to consider increasing um, your intake of omega-3s. And if you're worried about things like mercury in your fish, doing the supplementation could be an option because those are generally quite clean from that perspective. But what you're looking at then is, um, you know, when I looked at the consumer lab reports, uh, we're going to be talking about, you know, the, the quality in terms of the freshness, how oxidized it is, and does it contain what it says it contains? Because sometimes these oils have oil in it, but very little EPA and DHA. So you need to make sure you're getting a good quality supplement if you're going to go be going the supplement route. So. Um, in the next two weeks, uh, next week is a recorded show because I'm traveling in the week after that. There's no show because I'll still be traveling and then I'll be back. And the next live Wild Wisdom show is going to be on how to supplement with omega-3 fatty acids. And we'll cover, as I mentioned before, algae and krill oil for prevention and treatment of disease. So we're going to be going into the research that talks about going into mega doses of, of omega-3. And we're going to be talking about is it safe? What to look out for? And what conditions, like some conditions are very specific, like for heart disease versus rheumatoid arthritis, you know, so we're going to get into the nitty gritty of that, which I think will be very helpful. So for those of you who joined me live today, thank you very much. Thank you for your comments and for your questions. And I look forward to seeing you again. If you like this episode, if you're watching this on replay on YouTube or on, uh, you know, in your favorite podcast, please like, leave a comment, share, subscribe. This is how we get the word out. This is how we help other people. Sharing is caring. And I look forward to seeing you again. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, or night, depending on when you catch this. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe and please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you and I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical profession. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call.
You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. Thank you.